want to turn in your Bibles to Ephesians 4, we're still there, and we're talking about um, a walk worthy, and we got through a little bit of it last week, and um, just to recap, one of the things was we need humility in our life, we need to humble ourselves, um, I believe that just becomes so important in our walk, and then also it says to maintain Unity. So, again, uh, four, one through six says, "I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all." who is above all and through all and in all. And this maintaining unity is really, uh, if you go back to the meaning of the word, it means to guard it. It's nothing that we produce. God doesn't call us to produce unity. He calls us to maintain the unity that he has given us, and that was through Christ. And so he mentions these, um, these things, that there is one God, one spirit, one baptism. You know, there's one. He's talking about this one. And we are to guard that with everything that we have. And we want in our life really to have these relationships in our life um, so dynamic that others crave what we have. I've been listening to Alistair Begg this last week, and he's been talking about leaving a legacy. Uh, if you want to turn into a, uh, tune into a podcast, uh, it's a great thing. You know, what are we going to be remembered for? What are we known for? in our life. And so uh, we should be those that seek unity. We should be those that humble ourselves. We should be those that, that have these gifts of, of um, being gentle and bearing with one another and, and doing these things in love. And are we doing that? And so today as we move on a little bit, when we talk about a, a walk that is worthy, because this is part of the purpose of the church, the church is the body, we are the body of Christ, and so as we walk, is our walk worthy? And we can um, understand this, that in the sovereignty of God, he has given us all the gifts that we need. Okay, In God's sovereignty, he's known what he has called you to do. He knows what he would like you to do. And we're not cookie-cutter Christians. We're, we're each unique. We each have uh, unique talents, unique gifts, uh, unique abilities that God desires us to exercise in his body and in the world. And so, are you exercising those things? And so there's a, a story that sort of emphasizes this, and it was about a, a baby camel that was talking to the mama camel. And we know that uh, the little ones always like to ask questions, don't they? And they, they sometimes, you know, even the grandkids, uh, you know, they're, they're, you know, papa and that, what if, and papa and this, and papa and that. And it's like, oh my word, they just keep going and going with these questions. Well, this young camel asked the mother one time, he says, Mom, why do I have these three big pads on all of my feet? She says, well, for when we do our trek through the desert, it helps keep us afloat on the sand, and it's, and it's soft and pliable, so on these long trips that we make, you will make it. You'll, you'll have good feet. And he accepted that, and a little bit later he asked the question, Mom, why do we have such long eyelashes and she was like well when we go through the desert again it keeps the sand from getting into our eyes so we can see where we're going 
on this journey that God is, or on this journey that we have gone on. A little bit later, he asked again, and mom's getting a little, oh, impatient by this time. And he says, why do we have these humps on our back? And she said, well, again, when we make our trek through this long desert, we can have water stored there so we don't need to stop and so we can make it through this long journey that we have been created for. And his last question was, Mom, but why are we in the zoo? (laughs) Many Christians today are like camels in the zoo. God has given us the, the, the tools that we need to venture off. He's given us those things to get through the desert we call life, to get through the the trials of life, the journey of life, whatever it is. And he's given us all these things in our life that that we might use them and and apply them. And they're going to be there to protect us. And they're going to be there for the benefit of others. But we sort of live like these camels in a zoo. We never really use the, the gifts that God has given us to use. We have everything that we need the way that God has intended and God's sovereignty, it's, it's, God's sovereignty is a study unto itself, but it's really, you can really find peace as a Christian in that. And unfortunately, as Christians, many times we get impatient with God's sovereignty and God's perfect timing, and we put the cart before the horse many times, but he's given us everything that we need, and yet we play it safe, and we fail to really uh, be obedient to God and what he has called us to do and to put ourselves in a position where God can use us with the talents that he has given us. Are you one of those people? Are you one that is using your talents and gifts for the purpose which God has created you? We walk in a a manner worthy of our calling with the tools that God has given us. And we walk it in truth. We walk it in the way that God has, has called us to with the purpose that it has. And when we do that, it's effectual. When we walk in the flesh, when we do things in the flesh, uh, we get burnt out. We get tired. We get strained. We get stressed. And it's because we're trying to generate it ourselves. But when God is doing it, we have this unending power. Sort of like the Energizer Bunny in a way. You know, it keeps going and going and going. When I'm doing things in the spirit, when I'm doing things for the Lord, and I know I'm walking in his will and his ways, it's like I can just keep on going and going. But when I start getting tired, when I start getting burnt out, when I start really just sort of, you know, wanting to to go hibernate sometimes, I I look and I say, well, you know, I'm doing a lot of things, I think, in the flesh. And I sort of need to get re-centered and I need to get focused back on the Lord. So when we walk in this way, we also need to speak the truth in love. So one of the ways that we walk is also by our speech, the way that we talk. So verses 14 and 16 of the same chapter says that if we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine or by the trickery of men and the cunning and craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, we grow up in all things into him who is the head, which is Christ. He talks about growing up. Part of the thing about using the gifts that God has given us is that's part of our maturing process. And again, a lot of us are, are, are staying as infants in Christ, as babes in Christ. Paul would say later, he says, by this time you should be eating meat. By this time you should be, you know, um, gobbling this stuff up and, and, and using it. But he says, I still need to give you milk. 
And he's really saying that we're acting like children. As a body matures through the faithful service of its members, and as we work together as a body of Christ and as a, a local congregation, we find that we're less likely to be drawn away by the craftiness and trickiness and deceitfulness that's there. You know, many times, even within the body of Christ, and we always talk about like, like churches are perfect and nothing corrupt ever happens. But Paul talks about those that are going to come in and, and, and sow discord. They're going to come in and teach a, a false doctrine. They're going to get our eyes off of Christ and onto something else. And it's really the work of the devil because that's what Satan likes to do. He likes to get our eyes off the road and into the, the fields. I often say, you know, my, when I drive, my wife gets nervous sometimes because I'm either glancing at something here or I'm glancing at something out in the fields and I'm, I'm looking around and, and she's like, keep your eyes on the road. We don't want to end up in the ditch. We don't want to end up in an, in an accident. She's my, my deer watcher because a lot of times I'm thinking I can even daydream. It looks like I'm looking down the road, but I'm daydreaming. Satan gets us that way in our spiritual walk sometimes. He just says, take your, take, take your eyes off the road for a moment and, and look at the beautiful scenery over here. Think about this over there. Or go do this for a little bit. You deserve it. And we get away from that walk. But as a body matures, we're not drawn away quite so much. Our focus is always there. And I asked, I think last week, if if the church had a, a mantra, I don't even know if that's the right word yet, but uh, a purpose, a goal, why we do everything that we do. And if you don't, I would think that it's a good thing that you get one. But I know like down at Augusta, I shared that uh, to know Christ and to make him known. That's been their statement for probably since 1860s when the church was uh, instituted. But we look at that and we say everything that we do as a body, we want to focus on that. To know Christ. So we want everybody in our congregation to know Christ. We want them to have that personal relationship. We want to go out into the world and share that gospel message that people might know Christ. And then to make him known. So it's not just us. It's not just what did I get, but now I go out and share. And we've, we've talked about that here already. So when we're focused on those things, when we're focused on Christ, when we can help each other stay focused on Christ. So maybe we have brothers and sisters here in the Lord, and, and sometimes they get distracted because we know that the world has a lot of garbage to throw at us. We know that there's all sorts of things in this world that can just take our attention. You know, we got these prayer requests. We got, we got sick people. We got, you know, maybe problems at work. We might have financial things going on in our life. And, and we can get consumed by those things. And we can go up to our, our brother or sister and say, you know, it's going to be okay. Let's keep our eyes on Christ. Let's keep following him. Don't get overwhelmed by the storm that's around you. The disciples learned that when they were in the boat. And Jesus was sleeping. And they got all concerned. Well, Lord, we're going to die. Don't you care? And I mean, he said, be still. And the, the sea subsided. So when we... Believe in the sovereignty of God, and again, you can do some of your own homework on that. I'm probably going to get into that, Lord willing, you know, down the road a little bit. But as we talk about that, it just gives you a peace knowing that God is in control. We just need to keep our eyes focused on, uh, upon him, and we're not going to be distracted by these, these things of the world. And so we do that with one another, but we do that in love, too. 
Because some people need to be inched along. You know, some people say, well, you don't understand, though. It's really, it's really terrible at work, and I got all this drama that's going on. Oh, man. And, and I hate drama. I just, I despise drama. I think drama is, is the devil's invention because it seems to be everywhere, and we get caught up in it. And instead of worshiping Christ, and instead of following him, and instead of being a blessing to those around us, we get involved in this other stuff, and it consumes our minds, and it consumes our, our beings. And so, in Romans, it talks about the renewing of our mind. We need to begin to think about things in a little bit different way. And so we learn to function as a body of believers that work obediently. So we want to follow God's word. God has told us, you know, that we need to be doers of the word, not hearers only. This thing about being a retired Christian or that we, we come to, to church and now I've done my duty for the week, that too is a lie of the devil. That's not what God has intended us to do. He has tended us to go out into the world, into all nations, it says, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. So how do we do that? How do we be obedient to God? Well, we need to know what he has called us to do. So that takes time about being in the word. We need to get into the word of God. I would challenge you, and, and just as Dale shared, um, some people, mornings is a great time. I think morning is a, a great time for me. Um, I do my devotion on the phone, so I know you said sometimes I get up and look at your phone right away. I, I sort of do my devotion on my phone. But I get up, and that's where I like to start my days. I like to do my challenges um, in the mornings. I have a couple little different groups of people that I, I correspond with, and and I like to drop a devotional to them, either one that I've had or one that I found. Or I like to put out a challenge out there. And it gets me focused on God. I like to open in prayer and say, Lord, what is it that you have for me today? Because I don't know what the day holds. Who knows what the day holds? So I say, Lord, you know, make me aware. Just keep me aware. So as I'm going through that day, when something happens, I can say, is that you, Lord? Well, I know it's him, no matter what it is. Because I've asked him to be in a part of every part of my life. And so we look at him and we want to be obedient to it. Sometimes obedience is a, is a hard thing also. It requires sometimes change in our life. So when I had my back surgery, one of the things that uh, my doctor kept using this word that I really didn't like. And it was really pretty offensive to me. But, and the word was obese. And he said, this is bad for your back. It's bad for your back. My back hurts. Well... Lose some weight, it will help. So I, I knew that if I was going to be obedient to my doctor, I had to make some changes in my life. And we don't like to make changes, right? Especially the older we get. The older I get, I just sort of like my routine. And, and I think sometimes if I, if I wasn't focused on the Lord, I could just go through my day um, in a routine fashion and the day would be over before I know it. But I needed to be obedient to what my doctor was telling me. If I wanted to do good, if I wanted to be healthy, if I wanted to heal the way that he would want me to heal, to do best for myself. Well, God tells us the same thing. He gives us many things in the, in the, the Bible. He tells us to, to love those who, who hate us. Love those who persecute you. Do good to those who don't do good to you. Well, that's a hard thing to do. I don't want to be obedient in those things. I mean, they've been bad to me, right? They, they've hurt me. And sometimes our thought is, you know, they'll get there someday. And I've, even as Christians, we've thought that. 
You know, you're going to have to stand before God someday for that. We're really sort of wishing bad on them. God tells us to be a blessing to those. Be a blessing to those who curse you. You know, love those that despitefully use you. So that's one way we think of those obedience. He talks about bringing our, our, our body under the authority of Christ. That means there's some things in life that, that I may really enjoy or might really like, but um, am I putting those before God? You know, God wants us to enjoy this world. He wants us to enjoy the things of this world. But are they interfering with our relationship with God? Have they become idols in our life? And sometimes in our life, they become idols. Work can become an idol. Well, I'll say, I had to work as a husband, okay? And I've been a workaholic most of my life. I'm just now trying to be obedient to God and not being quite as much of a workaholic in my life. But I, I mean, I worked, and that was always my excuse. I need to support for the family. I need to do this. I got kids to raise, and, and we need this, and we need that. And, and a lot of times it interfered with my relationship with God. Now, I could have still done a lot of work and kept God first, but a lot of times I pursued worldly things instead of just pursuing the things of God. And so I was even looking at your scripture this morning. We have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. You know, the things that God gives us in this world are much greater than the things that the world has to offer us. And so we want to keep our eyes focused on God. So we walk in obedience. And that's a hard thing to do sometimes. But we need to work obediently. And again, be doers of the word, not hearers only. It says deceiving yourselves. We have come into a world where, where we deceive ourselves, even within the church. Churches gather. There's many churches that gather this morning. And, and they're not doing the things that God would have them to do in the way that God would want them to do those things. But we think because we put a cross on a building or because we call it a church, that everything inside is right. There are those churches in the world today, they're, they're uh, openly homosexual preachers and, and congregations, and they embrace that and they enjoy that and they uh, lift that up as an idol to Christ. And we know that that's an abomination. There's churches that, that, that aren't, following the gospel. So God has called us to follow the gospel. And that talks about obedience. So as, as brothers and sisters here, if you see me walking in a way that you don't think is obedient to Christ, I ask that you come to me in love. And that you point those things out. Because sometimes we can misunderstand things, but sometimes we just need to have it brought to our attention. And we need to know that we're being held accountable. And we live in a world today, again, where we don't want to be accountable. I'm my own person, my own man, my own thing which is all true in the worldly sense. But in the Christian sense, God has called us to be intertwined with one another. And so that's the second way. So we work obediently. Christ is the head of the body. Christ is the head of this church. Okay, and he's the head of the universal church also. Secondly, we work interdependently. We work with one another. We work because we need one another. I can't do it all myself. You can't do it all yourself. We can't go through storms of life by ourselves or we're going to be miserable in our existence. And so we need others. I need others' encouragement. I need others to correct me. I need others to pray for me. I need others to show me and teach me new things. Because even though I'm a pastor of many years, I don't have all the answers. I still search God and I ask God, God, show me. 
I would think that I should know it by now, but I don't. And so we work interdependently. I look for godly counsel. From I have a circle of friends um, that I really depend upon. And when I go into to situations or when I'm looking for advice, I seek godly counsel. Okay, So we work interdependently with one another. And third, we work collectively. So as a, as a body, we work collectively. So it uh, can be the little ministries of, um, you know, I, li- I like the, the cheese curd example. You know, we want to bring a face to that. We just don't want to do it. We want to bring a face, a representation of who we are and what we are, maybe even what we stand for. And listen, and that's not always handing out a track, and it's not always uh, shooting a Bible verse at somebody when they're standing there. It's just showing the world that we're here and that we're available and that we're decent people. We're not freaky people. Some people think church people are weird and they're, they're freaky. Some of us are, but a majority of you aren't, okay? We just want to show a, a good representation of who we are. And so we also work collectively. Each one works. Because just as Paul would say in Corinthians, as the body is comprised of many parts, they all function to work for one thing, as we maintain that unity. Okay, So again, we, we, he gives us the example of the body. If, if I'm missing a leg, I mean, it affects the way that I walk. I walk a lot better with two legs than no legs. You know, my, my disc that was out of my back is just a little tiny thing. But man, did that affect my whole body. So when we're missing that within the church, when we're missing that in the purpose of the church, somebody's not doing their part, it affects the whole body. And so to have a strong and healthy body of believers, we each need to be doing our own uh, work, but we need to be doing it collectively as a body. You know, my finger doesn't go off on its own and, and do its own thing. No, my mind is telling it, or if I need it to scratch, then I, you know, there's communication that's going on, and and we're intertwined. Truth matters. It exposes falsehood of the false teachings. So whenever you are with somebody, and, and again, I think this is very important as we talk about things, we can get in, in debates about different things, and people sometimes say, well, why do you believe this, or why do you believe that? And I want to have a Bible verse or scripture to back that up. And I'll say, well, because the Bible says this. Because I don't want to be arguing with the person, you know, if I argue with my knowledge and with my intellect and with eloquence of words or whatever I want to think, that's just me doing it. But what I want to do is I want to get them into the word. And so a lot of times it's, what does the scripture say? And sometimes we come across um, hard things that we need to try to figure out. And I've sat down with people sometimes and said, you know, right now we're not seeing eye to eye in this, but uh, why, don't, why don't you look up you know, what the Bible says, I'll look up what the Bible says, and, and we'll come back together. You know, in a couple days, and we'll talk about it. Because when you get them into the gospel, when you get them into the, the word of God, then the argument's no longer with me. The argument is with God. Or if somebody shows me something, I'm not, I can't argue with you. I'm going to be arguing with God, with the word of God, because truth matters. It exposes error. And some people don't want to hear error. I talked with a man not too long ago, and I was talking about a situation that was going on, and I said, it's wrong. And he says, who are you to say it's wrong? And I said, well, where in the Bible does it say that it's right? 
I can show you in the Bible where it says it's wrong. Where in the Bible does it say it's right? Well, he, he couldn't tell me that. But he had emotions involved in this. He had feelings involved in this. And he had all, you know, sometimes friends get involved in this. And those that we care about could be family members get involved in something. And so we tend to sway off of the truth because we love and we care and we, you know, want it to be right. But D.L. Moody one time said the best way to show that a stick is crooked is, is, is not to argue about it or not to denounce it, but to lay a straight stick next to it. So the truth, the gospel, is that truth. The gospel is that straight edge. It is that, that truth that is going to expose all errors. So I can tell you all I want. This is what I think. You really shouldn't care what I think. You know, you should care what the, the Word of God thinks. My opinion I hope is based on the word of God and all things that I teach. But if it's just my opinion, it's of no value. But if it's of God's word, it's very important. So think about that, that the gospel message that we have is that straight stick that, that will expose error in the world today. It's either right or it's wrong. You know, and Bill's not here this morning, but Bill likes to call himself, you know, black and white Billy. He sort of says, you know, this is what it says and this is where we're at. Now we understand that there's grace and there's mercy and there's those things in the, the Bible also that we take into consideration, but the truth is truth. And so as a body, again, as we work with these things, we work obediently, we work uh, interdependently, and we work collectively with the truth, with the gospel. So everything that we do, we should be sitting down and saying, why are we doing this? And there should be a biblical reason why we're doing the ministry that we're doing. And, and when we look at everything that we do as a ministry and not just as an activity, there's a, there's a big difference in how we respond to it and the goals that we even go forward within it. Christians are called to be truth-tellers. We are, are here to proclaim the gospel. We're here to proclaim the truth of Christ to all that would hear. And sometimes it need well, not sometimes, it always needs to start here within our body, within our, our family here. But we need to take that out into the world. And that's a difficult place. That's sort of a, a jungle. There's man-eaters out there. And so when we go out there, and if we take a stand against something, we take a stand against homosexuality. And again, you know, we, we love the sinner. We hate the sin. So when I talk about uh, practices and, and habits in people's lives, I'm not talking about the individual. I'm talking about the act. It's sinful. And so when we look at the Bible, and the Bible says this is sin, we know it's sin. We still love that person, but we share that gospel message with them because there's hope beyond those things. Whatever it is, it can be a lying tongue. Some people think it's okay to cheat on their taxes, to, to bend the, uh, the bar when they're doing their taxes so they don't have to pay so much. I don't want to give Uncle Sam that money because he, he's going to use this for this or that. No, we, we give Caesar what is Caesar's. The Bible's clear on that. We talk about abortion and the importance of, of fighting against those things, that it's human life. God starts that life at the point of conception. You know, the world will justify it all they want to and say this. It's hard sometimes to be out in the world and say, you know, this is wrong. This is wrong. Especially if friends or, or loved ones maybe have had that and it becomes a sensitive issue. We still say there's forgiveness, but those things are wrong. And so we stand up against those things. Equally important to proclaiming the truth is in the attitude in which we do it. You know, um, 
uh, Alistair Begg gave a thing about legacy. What are you going to be remembered for? And he says, are you going to be remembered, you know, like for meetings? Or are you going to be remembered for work? Or are you going to be remembered for uh, this or that? You know, are you going to be remembered for the positive things? Or are you going to be remembered for the negative things? Attitude is a big, big thing. How you present it. A lot of times I tell people it's not so much what you say, it's how you say it. How do you, how do you present that? And again, when we go back to the beginning of chapter 4, it tells us lowliness and gentleness, long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. Sometimes we can be harsh with the words we say. It can be truth, but we can be harsh with those things. We can present that same truth in gentleness. We need to be receptive to the Spirit and how the Spirit would have us to speak with those things. So when we walk in a manner that is worthy of the calling, it also means that we, we walk in love and we speak the truth in love. And are you doing that in your life? Are you being bold in your faith and in your, your convictions that God has given you? Are you afraid to call a sin a sin because you might offend somebody? And I, I probably shared this before, but you know, people sometimes say, well, you know, we don't talk about politics and we don't talk about religion and we don't talk about Packers and Vikings. And so, you know, we, we avoid those subjects, right? Because why? They, they bring, they, they hit a nerve, right? I tell you, I'm a Viking fan. Some of you probably get pretty disgusted, right? No, no. We don't have drama with Aaron Rodgers, though. We're sort of <laughs> sitting, we're sitting back, sort of smiling right now. We don't know what's going to happen. No, I like the Packers, too. But we don't talk about those things because we don't want conflict, right? We should be talking about politics because these are the people that are making decisions that are affecting us in every facet of our life. I was listening to, to the news coming in today and I heard about another shooting that happened <coughs> last night. And, I mean, the shootings make me sad, but my mind automatically goes, here's, here's another dart for them to want to take away guns, to say, well, it's the gun's fault instead of the person's fault, okay? We need to talk about politics. I mean, we, we need to be involved. We need to do what it is that we are called to do in those things. We need to talk about religion or faith, I like to say, not religion. Religion is sort of man reaching up to God. Faith is God reaching down to us. But we need to talk about that because it's important. Much more important than the life and death on this life is our eternal life and death. And so we need to share those things with our family. We need to share our, those things with our friends. We need to encourage them to get into a spot to where they can walk closer with Jesus. Are, are you encouraging somebody in your life to walk closer with the Lord? Is somebody encouraging you to walk closer with the Lord? Because that's really what we want. We want to walk close with the Lord. I want, I want to walk so close to the Lord that Nothing can come between us, you know, and we get glimpses of those moments every now and then where we feel so close to the Lord and so enveloped with him, and it's, it's almost something that's unimaginable. It's like, why can't we have that all the time? Amen. But our, our flesh gets in the way sometimes, and we start looking in the ditch, and we start looking behind us, and we start looking over here at what they're doing. Our goal needs to be that, and our goal in our life, and our goal to help others in their life. And if we don't walk in a manner worthy of the calling of the Lord, and we're going to continue on with this as we talk about other purposes of the church, you know, and when we're doing this, again, it demonstrates the power and the glory of God. But when we do not do this, um, these things happen. We become a divided body. 
You know, I, as a pastor, um, I've come to recognize by trial and error and by years and years that um, division lays a lot upon me within a church. I mean, it, it says live peaceably with all men is dependent on you. When I look at things I, of this, that am I walking in lowliness? Am I walking in gentleness? Am I being long-suffering? See, when we're not exercising that truth with the proper attitude, in the proper ways, sometimes we become a divided body. And we know how painful that is. I've been a part of a couple churches that have gone through those, and we've helped uh, several churches that have gone through those situations. It's a terrible thing. We also become a self-centered body. It means it becomes about me. What do I want? What do I like? You know, I don't like this. I don't want this. I don't think we should have it. And, and we get all upset about that. Stuart Briscoe shared a story one time with us at a pastor's retreat up at Camp Forest Springs where he said that uh, on his board, and this was quite a few years ago when they were introducing some of the contemporary music, and uh, music tends to be one of the most divisive things in churches today, uh, which I find amazing um, compared to all the false doctrine that gets into a church, and we don't argue about that. But that was when contemporary music was just coming in, and uh, uh, Stuart Briscoe had a, had a man on his board, and he just says, you know, I just don't like those drums. Those drums are just like, you know, whatever, the devil's beat, or whatever they used to call I like your drum playing anyways. I told him that this morning. <laughs> I told him that I like your drum playing. But anyways, this one of these old guys just on his board says, I just really don't like these. And, and Stuart was just trying to ease his board through some of these things that, you know, this is, you know, there's good in this, and we're going to look at this. And, and, and anyways, as time went by, they started incorporating things, and all of a sudden a drum set turned up on the, on the podium, and, and um, Stuart Briscoe thought, oh my, uh, what's going to happen here? And so he, he went and talked with one of the guys, and, said, where did this come from? How did this happen? And he says, well, so-and-so gave it to him. It was the very guy that said he didn't like drums. And so Stuart went and asked him, he says, I thought you didn't like drums. Why did you buy it? He says, I still don't like drums. But he says, I see what God is doing, and I want to be a part of it. See, we don't always have to have things just the way that we want it. We need to let God do his work. So we need to get away from being a self-centered body because a lot of times when we're not walking in love, we become self-centered. And finally, we become an unstable body. And it talked about that. Don't be unstable, tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. We can be moved by, by uh, society. We can be moved by trends. We can be moved by all sorts of things. God says we need to be moved by his word and by his son and by his spirit. And when we're moved that way, we're going to see God's work flourish within our body, within our community. And so are we doing that? Are we walking worthy? Hopefully there's some challenges in there that you can take with you today. And think about those through this week. Are you doing the things that God has called you to do with the attitude that God wants you to do? it? Because it's, it's no good being that little kid that, you know, mom says, sit down. And he says, well, I'm sitting down on the, in or on the outside, but I'm standing up on the inside. You know, a lot of times we get like that, like Christians. We don't need to have that. We don't need that in the body. We want to be a body that is strong, and we want to be a body that keeps our eyes on Christ. Amen? Okay, let's pray. Father, we again just thank you, Lord, for...
your word. We thank you for this body, Lord. We thank you for even the trials that we've gone through. And we know that none of this is pleasant at the time. But Lord, as we go through it, may we see your hand at work. Lord, you are a sovereign God. You are in control. There is nothing that takes you by surprise. You know, there's a scripture that says, they meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Meaning that God can work out all things that he chooses. And so, Lord, as we keep our eyes on you, we know that we will not be lost. We know that we will be going in the direction that you have us to go whatever that direction is. We just need to keep our eyes on you and keep on that straight and narrow. And so, Father, we thank you for that. We just pray for each one here this week as they go through this week, Lord. May they be an encouragement to somebody. May they speak to somebody and say, draw closer to God. Keep your eyes on him. May we be able to help somebody that we see that's in need and just really say, it's not that bad. I'm here for you and I will walk with you through it. God is with us. Who can be against us? So Father, just be with us as we go through this week and use us in a mighty way. And we pray this now in the name of Jesus. Amen.